Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping on this Monday? It is a Monday. Just got back from Dr. Curly's office. Yeah, shout out Dr. Curly. Fixed up my grill. Again. I can smile again. Damn. Yes, it is time for new teeth, John. It is it is that time of my life, that season really? that I'm in. It's been a decade. It's been a decade since he last made these pearly whites. Are you going to get like a different style? Like the, must, no. like, like the Mustang or do they have like different sets? Like, oh, you know, straight but different looking. No, no. I, I, I had a very bad dentist one time mm-hmm. sell me on a bad set of teeth. Really? And it was hideous and horrendous and I've never been more self-conscious about how I looked and sounded. But for that, not one, not two, not three, but five-year period of my life. Yeah. From my life. And I learned a valuable lesson. If you don't like something. Change it. No, let the person know. Hey, I'm not paying for that. Oh, yeah. I don't like how that looks. Every day. I let this dentist talk me into the fact that, oh, you'll get used to it. No, I never did. Really? I hated him for all five years. When I see a picture of me smiling, mm-hmm. wearing those teeth that yeah. he made for me, uh-uh. I, like, I think people's smile is as individual as their fingerprint, so I don't like people walking around with these damn veneers and shit, these horse teeth that they got in their mouth. I really despise it. Uh, here's the thing. If your grill's jacked up, it's, listen, get it fixed. Yeah, it, but yeah, just get braces or maybe Invisalign when you just knock them shits all out and just put fucking bowling alley pins in your mouth it doesn't look good well here's the thing i didn't have a choice i was born without teeth say it one more time for the people in the back so they okay yeah i didn't have a choice in the matter so my whole entire mouth is set up it is 10 dental implants and then we have bridge work the bridge work is then is cemented on top of the dental implants but like anything that's not real when it's fake it wears out Yep. It wears out. So about every decade or so, you got to go in for a little tune-up. You are the perfect candidate for a platinum diamond grill now. Now that I know that, I'm just going to get you just studded, One day, John. Hey, look. Studded out. Look, when this platform, check this out. Y'all, thank you. Yeah. Everyone listening, everyone tuning in. We, if we haven't hit it by the time you listen to this, we are like, Within a stone's throw of hitting one, one million, million downloads. Million. Just in 2022. This isn't going back to 2021 mm-hmm. or 2020. No. Yeah. This year in 2022, one million downloads. And we're just getting started. Thank you. Right? Everyone. People are just now starting to discover mm-hmm. us and figure out like what we're doing, mm-hmm. how we're trying to change the world one person at a time. Yeah. Which is going to be great because today we can record an episode that I'm pretty sure we probably did. Mm-hmm. Sometime like COVID year, Damn. 2020, yep. we probably did this somewhere in the first 25 or 30 episodes back when you still had a blue Damn, the days, set, the days of old. right, a different mic, and the <laughs> audio was mm, not as clean and right. crisp as it is today. But they love the message, so it didn't matter. Yes. Well, I hope they love the message. I think. How about this? You and I were dumb enough to keep going. Yeah, we just kept regardless doing it. if people were listening or hey, watching. Anyone tune in? I don't know. Okay, let's record another one. Yeah, it wasn't until Brian reached out to us from San Diego. Yeah, and he was thinking about entering the mortgage industry. That yeah. was episode forty-one. Yeah, episode forty-one was like our first viewer request, and mm-hmm. it happens to also be the the episode that kind of put us on the map. Yeah, 
Uh, now we're like pushing episode 290. Yeah, this is, this is actually episode 289, I think. Is it really? Yep. Yeah, only you would count. Right. So episode 289, mm-hmm. the website's rocking and rolling, yep. although very few people know about that because we've done nothing to promote it yeah. until now. Until now. Until now. So TLOP online.com mm-hmm. is rocking and rolling and even that is only v1 mm-hmm. like i look at the website the way i do this podcast set mm-hmm. back when we used to have <laughs> yeah, the, blue. the blue yeah 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 like if you go back to early episodes a the table was much closer yeah, to the cameras much different and stuff. b it wasn't an orange set it was a blue set yeah yeah tloponline.com is very much still table pushed up against the cameras <laughs> And we're, we're rocking a blue table. Yeah. It's okay, though. Okay. It's okay. But today's episode, if you're okay with it. I am. Let's talk about the home buying process. Let's do it. Let's just dive right into it. This ep- this episode, all episodes, mm-hmm. all episodes are everything you should have learned in school but didn't. Yep. All episodes have in mind either people who want to buy a home, wink, wink, that's you, <laughs> people who already own a home. People who sell homes for a living, by the way, this episode's for your future clients. Mm-hmm. People who finance homes for a living, by the way, great episode we're getting ready to lay down for your clients, yeah. right? More than likely, 80 plus percent of the American populace could put themselves in a category of either I want to own a home, I currently own a home, mm-hmm. I sell homes for a living, or I finance homes for a living, mm-hmm. right? Those are four categories. Mm-hmm. I may have said five, I was mistaken. Those four categories. The fifth category would be, I support the housing industry. There mm-hmm. we go. If I want to go five categories, it would go right there. There you go. So we're speaking today to home buyers. Of, yeah, yeah. To home buyers, which by the way, our website, tloponline.com, it even has information and links and tools for you. Mm-hmm. We are going to make it better. But right now, if a consumer wanted to find content on our website, it would be under what, John? Consumer? Yeah. Is that what it's under? Yeah, it's under four consumers. It's called four consumers. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to have a whole entire home buying portal. We're going to beef it up for you. We are going to beef it up, mm-hmm. right? But that's probably Q2 goals. Right. Right now, we're still in Q4 of 2022, mm-hmm. trying to get to Christmas, trying to get to the new year. Yeah. And then that's where we're going to yeah, go yeah. ahead and just 10 exit. I have a good idea for how to start this scenario. Today's episode. Are you ready? Yeah. So let's just say, uh, uh, example. I currently live in an apartment with my wife. I've saved up $35,000 to where like I'm ready to make a purchase. My lease is up at the start of next year, so around February, and I think I'm ready to buy a house. Awesome. High five, homie. Okay. First and foremost, if you really have thirty-five grand saved up, that's a lot of freaking money. That is a lot, a lot of money, so you're doing something right. That tells me you're a good candidate for homeownership. Like first and foremost, those are things that we look at, not just we as a lender to make sure you qualify, but we as professionals who have a fiduciary responsibility to our communities that we serve, am I putting John Coleman in the right situation when he goes to buy a house because home ownership can be expensive, right? We know that there are studies out there that claim that a home is going to cost you one to 3% of its value in annual maintenance and upkeep. So it's good that you have $35,000. My first question that I'd probably ask you if we jumped right into the financing side of things, John, it would be, hey, John, of this $35,000, how much have you earmarked? Or you'll hear me use words like allocate. How much have you allocated to go towards a transaction? Are you wanting to use all 35? Or are you wanting to use some of the 35 because you like having 
a cushion or an emergency fund? I was thinking about using all 35 because isn't it if I put all more money down, I'll get like a cheaper rate? Yeah, so we can talk about that, right? We can definitely talk about that. So I'm going to slow you down. And what, and I, I love this. I love this role play, but I'm going to slow you down because the first thing any home buyer is going to want to do is talk to a lender. Period. End of story. And I'm not saying that because I run a mortgage company. I am saying that because it's the damn truth. It's not the sexiest part of buying a house. It is by far the most important part, right? Like you need to be diagnosed unless you're paying cash. Look, if you're paying cash, pat yourself on the back because you're doing something that most people can't or you're having something afforded to you. Maybe family's buying the house for you cash. Doesn't mean you shouldn't finance. Doesn't mean you shouldn't look into financing. Okay? There are benefits to not using all of your cash. I'm not a financial advisor. I sometimes play one on our YouTube channel, but I am not one. I would say before you pay cash for a house, please sit down with a financial advisor. Please talk about wealth generation strategies or tax strategies to make sure that this is in your best financial interest. But most people tuning in right now are not paying cash. So most people want to buy a house and they want to buy the first house or their second house. You got to check with the lender first. It's a not about what you qualify for. Yes, that matters. But it's also about picking the right loan, the right purchase price, the right down payment so that you can match your financial needs, wants and goals. Here are two common mistakes home buyers make. The first common mistake a home buyer makes is they think about their purchase as if it's a 30 year investment or it's a 30 year commitment. It's not a 30 year commitment. Normally, statistically, you're going to own that home on the low end for five years on the high end for nine years. So I tend to tell someone when you're going into purchasing a home, think of it over the next six to eight years. Right, six to eight years is how your mindset need, needs to be. And the second common mistake that they make is, oh, I'm getting to go on a blank right here. Oh, so yeah, I was right there. John, I was on a roll, man. Oh I was on a roll. Oh my god, I was on a roll. Took yeah. And uh, yeah, so the it's um it's not understanding the power of ten thousand dollars, right? The second one is not understanding the power of ten thousand dollars. $10,000 is a lot of money. Like if you took money out of my bank account, you took 10 grand, I'd be pissed. I'd call the cops. You've heard me say this once or <laughs> twice. But 10 grand on a mortgage is like 65 bucks a month right now. Dude, if I lent you $65 and you didn't pay me back, I'd still hang out with you. I would quit lending you money, mm -hmm. but I'd still hang out with you, right? So too many times, if there is a second common mistake, Right. One, they think of it as as if it's a 15, 20 or 30 year decision when really it's like a five, seven or nine year decision. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is they they underestimate the power or really lack thereof power of ten thousand dollars. And in your experience, when people are looking for a home, what part of the process do they actually get to the financing? Do they usually like find the house first and then they kind of like reverse engineer? It? it depends. It's all over the place. OK. Right. It's, it's over the place. Um, to answer your question, I would say 50-50 maybe? No, no, no. 90-10. 90% go looking for a house and thank goodness the builder or the realtor mm. that they end up connecting with will ask them, have you already spoken with a lender? Are you paying cash or are you taking advantage of financing? And then from there, that realtor or that builder will be like, hey, let's slow your roll. 
I'd love to go show you properties. I'd love to go show you these new construction homes. But before we do, I need to make sure that you're going to qualify. I need to make sure that what I'm showing you is going to be in your budget, right? These are all things that, so I would guess, and I said 90-10, I'm going to fall back on Parada's principle, the 80-20 rule. Yeah. I would guess that that 80% probably start at a minimum on realtor.com or on mm -hmm. Zillow or somehow searching the Caldwell Banker website. Right. Then they find a house they like. Then they text, email, DM, call the person who is attached to that advertisement. Because that's, by the way, it's all realtor.com is in Zillow and Redfin. Those are advertisements. They're collecting your data, then they're selling it off to realtors mm. and lenders. And then that person will talk to you, answer some of your basic questions, and then point you to the direction of a lender. Gotcha. Some people are savvy enough, experienced enough, or have someone in their corner that's like, hey, look, um, you should go talk to a lender. Gotcha. I'm going to circle back. Because remember I said there's, there's two mm -hmm. common mistakes? I'll make it three. Okay. There are three common mistakes that I see home buyers make. And I know this because I've been originating mortgages for the past 18 years and it hasn't changed. The three things are, the first thing is they look at it as if it's a 15 to 30 year decision when really it's a five to seven year decision. The second thing is they overvalue what $10,000 will do in terms of making the home more affordable. They don't understand that $10,000, whether you go up or down in purchase price or up and down in loan amount, is only going to impact their payment by roughly $65 a month. The third thing that they don't understand is that a mortgage is nothing more than a financial instrument that must be tailor-made to match your specific financial needs, wants, and goals, while also helping you qualify to purchase the home, meaning there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all mortgage. That right there are the three things that home buyers get wrong. So let me just tell you what they are. There is no such thing as a one size fits all mortgage. Know that, get yourself aligned with a really good mortgage advisor and have that person not only help you qualify for a home loan, but the right home loan. The second thing is that extra 10 grand, John, that you may want to put down it might not make the most financial sense for you to put that 10 grand down. It may make more sense to have that 10 grand stay in your savings account. And then finally, when you're looking at this purchase, especially if you're a first time home buyer, more than likely, you're not gonna have this mortgage for five to seven years and you're not gonna own the home for probably seven to nine years. So don't look at it and make decisions based on the next 15, 20 or 30 years. Make those decisions based on five, seven, maximum nine years. Mm -hmm. Those are three things I, was, I, would, I would tell someone. And that's where you want to start. You want to start with a lender. Once you start with a lender, ask that lender for a recommendation to an awesome realtor in your local market. That lender knows who the good realtors are. That lender also can personality match your personality with probably the right realtor. There's certain realtors that rocket with first time home buyers. There are certain realtors who rocket with people who are looking to, to purchase short term rentals. There's certain realtors that really do well when it's someone who is downsizing because they're an empty nester, mm. right? There's certain realtors that are a little bit more cutthroat all about business and certain clients do really well with those types of realtors. There's other realtors who want to hold your hand and do everything for you. Certain clients require that. Your local lender should be tied into the local real estate market.
then you should go talk to a realtor. Sit down with that realtor and that realtor is going to have you do things like, what is your needs? What are your wants, right? I need a three bedroom house. I want a two car garage. I need two bathrooms. I want a pool. And, and for all of us, that's different. Right? When I was buying my first house, my needs were much different than when I was buying my second house. Like my second house, I stated, I'm not going to buy it unless that's a three car garage, like period in the story. That was even on my list the first time hmm. or the first time I bought a house. I wouldn't look at it if it had a pool because I knew I couldn't afford the maintenance on a pool. Whereas when I was purchasing my second house, a pool wasn't a must have, but it was pretty high up, mm. right? So those are certain things, the neighborhood that, that you're looking in, the school district that you're looking in, like this is where a really good realtor could help you, but you need to be able to sit down with your spouse or significant other and kind of go through what do you, what are your must haves and what are your wants? And then understand there's certain must haves that are truly must haves. There's other must haves that man, if the right house came along in the right neighborhood, I could potentially do without it. Just like when you're high, when you're doing the hierarchy of your wants, there's certain wants that's like, man, in a perfect world, if that mm -hmm. fell in my lap, great. If not, I'm cool with it. Where there's certain ones where it's like, man, this is pretty close to a need, but I'm not going to let this particular feature of the house, maybe it's a screened in back porch. Yeah. I'm not going to let a screened in back porch stop me from buying a, a really good house, but I would prefer to only look at homes that have screened in back porches. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's something a home buyer should do. So if you're doing this in order, you talk to a lender, you not only got qualified for a home loan, but the right home loan for your financial needs, wants, and goals. You are given your options. You know what you're getting yourself into. You understand how much money you're going to need, down payment, closing costs, what your monthly payment's going to be, and how that monthly payment correlates. So the word I use is marry. Your monthly payment must marry to a sales price. And it's not the monthly payment you qualify for. Believe it or not, many home buyers qualify for more home than they want to afford. So it's about, it's about finding the payment you're comfortable with and marrying that to a sales price based on how much money you have for down payment. But keep this in mind, home buyers. We in the industry have a little saying, it's called champagne taste on a beer budget. Mm -hmm. You need to be very cognizant or aware. Are you that person who has champagne taste on a beer budget? Because you need to be realistic with your thoughts, with your expectations, with how long you're going to own this home for. Just like I don't think home buyers do this enough. Answer these questions, because these don't come up in a home buyer consultation with a real estate agent. They don't come up typically in a consultation with a mortgage lender, but I think they should. I would ask, where are you, John, in life? Meaning, are you and your wife leaving the apartment because you're looking to start a family? Where are you in your careers? Are you all pretty solid in your career? where you anticipate your raises going forward being nothing more than cost of living adjustments, you know, three, 5% annual raises? Are you in a point in your career where you could see a substantial increase in pay? Because these are decisions that need to go into your home buying process, right? You're trying to marry a comfort monthly payment to a purchase price. I find out that you have champagne taste on a beer budget, but you're at a point in your career where you are expecting 
to earn $25,000 more per year in just 18 months. And your spouse is up for a large promotion and she's going to earn an extra $12,000 a year. At which point you have an extra $3,000 gross coming to the household, which is another $2,000 a month net of which maybe you want to save a thousand, but you open up a thousand dollars. Maybe the thousand that you open up, we started with three, a thousand went to uncle Sam, a thousand went to you all saving for retirement and leaves a thousand of which you're willing to put 500 towards your housing expense. Then I would tell you, especially if you have the champagne taste in your beer budget, I'm going to tell you, Hey, push the envelope a little bit, push the envelope in terms of where you're comfortable because it's not what you're paying the next 12 months is what you're going to be paying the next 84 months mm -hmm. and maybe you can afford it. But that is something you have to almost like walk with trepidation because the last thing you ever want to do is get out ahead of your skis and not mm -hmm. be to make that payment. Yeah. So now I'm going to go back and answer your question. I have $35,000. I'm going to tell you, I don't know your full situation. I don't want to use all 35, John. What I'm going to tell you is let's come up with enough money to cover at least 5% down. Let's have enough money so that you can cover your own closing costs. Although we're recording this in December, 2022, the next hundred days are probably one of the best home buying markets for home buyers, period, end of story. The best I've seen since like 2014, the best I've seen since 2012, actually. Okay. So it's been a decade since we've had a home buying market. And I think it's going to be a real small window. Right. We're already two or three months into it. We only have another two or three months left. hundred days is what I'm saying mm -hmm. that you could potentially negotiate yeah. two or 3% off the asking plus get two or 3% of the sellers covering your closing cost. Right? So if the purchase price was 400 grand, you could potentially offer 390, get them to accept it and have them give you an extra $12,000 to cover your closing costs. Yeah. I don't think you'll be able to do that in April of 2023 or beyond. And I don't know when people are going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm going to say that a third of the people listened to it and called it and they're like, yep, I'm going to buy in the next hundred days. The other two thirds, they're going to buy in 2024, the end of 2023, maybe even 2025. And for those people, if you're sitting in John's situation, you have 35 grand and you're looking at a $400,000 property. What I'm going to tell you is let's use $20,000 for your down payment. Possibly let's use 12,000. Hmm. Right. Possibly we can do a conforming, uh, a conforming 30 year fixed loan with 3% down. We can do an FHA loan with three and a half percent down. If you're a veteran of the armed forces and you're eligible, we can do a VA loan with no money down, right? Or certain lenders have their own hundred percent financing options. Like I know my friends over at Waterstone mortgage had this thing called the wealth builder. Dude, that offers hundred percent financing, no monthly mortgage insurance. What? Yeah. You finance in the mortgage insurance. So the loan is insured but it gets financed into your loan amount. Hmm. So like there are 100% options out there. There are down payment assistance options out there. And just because you have 35 grand doesn't mean you shouldn't look towards down payment assistance if you're a first time home buyer, right? Those are things that you should consider when you talk to your lender. There is no such thing as a one size fits all mortgage. What works for you isn't what works for your sister, isn't what works for your college roommate, which isn't what works for your ex coworker. Do you find that a lot when people are in the home buying process? And of course they go to their friends and their family and then they just say, well, my friend or my aunt, do you get yes, that? Yes, all the time, all the time. And I don't know what to, to say. I mean, look, you have different blood type than your, than your sister, than your aunt, than your friend, right. doctor diagnosis, different medicines for you based mm -hmm. on your allergies, based on your health, your height, your weight, 
Same thing goes when you're financing your home purchase. It has to work for what works for you in today's market, right? What if there's different medicine available five years yeah, ago yeah, versus medicine available today? Yeah. There's different research. There's, I mean, it, the term snowflake has been, has been, has taken a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But if I use the term snowflake, I'm using it as the positive, which is we're all unique. We're all different. Like snowflakes are each borrower very much is a snowflake. Not in the negative way, mm -hmm. in the positive way. Like we each have our own thumbprint and we have to be able to give advice based on the lines on that thumbprint. Right. Question for you. So yep. I'm ready to like purchase a house. I know there's variables. How long should this process take from like when I'm um, pre-qualified for a certain amount versus like when I actually move into my house and I know I have to find the right house and all this stuff. But is there a certain it time? It could happen in rapid speed, 15 days. Really? Or it could take nine months. It just depends. Snowflake. Mm -hmm. Like it literally depends. There are people who wake up Friday night. They wake up Friday night. Wake up from their nap. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they go to happy hour. They <laughs> yeah, knock down right. a couple cold ones. Yeah. They wake up from their nap after their spouse is done being mad at them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they start um, talking about the weekend plans. Yeah. And uh, they decide, hey, we're not looking at homes. They got looking at homes. Oh my God, we love this house. We love this neighborhood. We've always dreamt of living in this part of town. Talk to the realtor. Realtor has them call their lender. Lender maybe is someone like badass, like Danielle Anderson or Jimmy Nadu. Gets them on the horn on Saturday. Mm -hmm. They knock out a, a, a pre-qualification. Next thing you know, on a Monday, they have a pre-approval. They're making the offer Monday night, negotiated Tuesday by Wednesday, they're in a contract. And seller accepted their offer only if they close by the end of the year. And their lender can make that happen. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You're a homeowner by the end of 2022. Wow. That happens. What typically happens is you start kicking the can around. You start talking a little bit. You start playing around online a little bit. Then you get hooked up with a realtor, which, by the way, call your lender first. And then the, the realtor tells you to call a lender. Lender talks to you. A couple weeks pass because life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Johnny's soccer game. Got to go to my mom's house for my sister's kid's 13th birthday, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. And then we make a couple offers. A couple offers get rejected. We make a couple offers. One gets accepted. Do a home inspection. Home inspection sucks. I'm scared. I'm bailing back to the home buying process, right? Like it is a process. It is something that you will probably do minimum three times in your life. Some people seven to nine times, hmm. right? Some people change their homes the way you change your J's. Right. Like literally, it's yeah. like, well, what's my outfit? Need a new pair of J's, yeah. right? Then there's other people like me, like I buy a house and I own it. I buy a car and I own it. Yeah. But um, keeping that in mind, it's a process. So there is no like, yeah. but the norm, here's the norm. Mm -hmm. If you talk to a lender today, you should be pre-approved within one to two business days. Anything more than that, uh-uh, something's gone sideways. One or two business days of you giving that lender everything that you need. Because some people have some paperwork intensive loans, mm -hmm. right? They're 1099, they own a business, they have three different tax returns. Okay, that's gonna be more paperwork intensive. Some people's like, no, I'm salary, my spouse is salary, we have one bank account, joint assets, here's your stuff. I'm like, wow, two hours later, you're pre-approved. <laughs> right. And then there's everyone else in the middle, like hourly workers are, are sometimes more difficult to pre-approve than salaried workers. Self-employed people, more difficult to, to approve or pre-approve than non-self-employed people. Mm -hmm. 
people with marginalized or marginal credit more difficult than people with great credit. People with no credit is actually more difficult than people with bad credit, average credit, or, or a lot of credit. Yeah. Right? That's where Dave Ramsey gets it wrong. You need credit, folks. You need credit unless you make so much money that you can pay cash for everything in your life. At which point you don't need credit. But you need credit just to get your damn utilities turned on. Yeah. If not, you have to give them like a $100 deposit. And that's usually the people who ain't got $100 are the ones that have to give $100. <laughs> yeah. So you might as well just be focused on having good credit. How do you get good credit, you might want to know, John? Pay your damn bills on time. Period. End of story. The second thing you can do to have good credit is make sure your credit cards are not maxed out. Do that. Do those two things. And by not maxed out, I mean you never, ever, ever, ever owe more than 50%, actually more than 49.999% of your limit. So if the limit is 500, don't owe more than 249, even if you plan on paying it off at the end of the month in full. Nope, never. Those are two things people need to do to make sure they always have good credit. Okay. All right, so other things that people should consider when buying a house, you may wonder, I think the timeline. What's your timeline? You're in a lease. Yeah. When does your lease expire, John? February of next year. Of next year, yeah. like it's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up soon. Okay, so here's what I would have told you. You and I probably should have started having this conversation back in November if not around like mid-October. Really? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with getting all your ducks in a row. The credit report that I pull is good for 120 days. And what's the worst thing I have to do? Update your credit? Like that's the worst thing I have to do. It's not typically a bad thing unless you went out and screwed it up. <laughs> but normally you'd want me to look at your credit a little bit earlier in the process because what if I see something on your credit report that if you fixed it, it'd help you get a better interest rate? Ah. What if I saw something on your credit report that was erroneous and you need to go get it taken off? Right. Wouldn't you want more time to do that? So if you had told me, oh, well, my lease doesn't expire until August and you want to start looking now, I'm like, all right, that's all well and good. But are you willing to use some of that $35,000 to break your lease? Because here's something that I know, home buyers. If I close on a home loan for you in January, the good news is your first mortgage payment won't be due until March. Hmm. You see, because mortgage payments are always paid in arrears, right? So you lived in the home all of February. When you make your payment on March 1st, you're actually paying for all of February. That's called paid in arrears. When you rent, you typically pay up front. Mm -hmm. So I would pay February 1st in order to live in the home the entire month of February. Gotcha. So something that when I'm consulting with home buyers, especially those that are currently renting, and they want to time it out like, hey, I don't want to have to double up on my payments. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, cool, but let me show you something. Let me show you how even though your lease expires March 1st, we can close you February 10th and your first mortgage payment won't be due until April 1st. That way you can close on your house. You can take your time moving in. Maybe you want to clean the floors, mm -hmm. paint the interior, change out the window treatments mm -hmm. and allows you to do those things. Right. And I don't think a lot of people know that, right? So they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to buy a home until March 1st because yeah. I don't have to double up. I'm like, well, luckily you don't have to double up. Okay. Yep. Um, things people should know about from a financing side, there is a down payment 90% of the time, right? There's obviously there are loan programs that allow for hundred percent financing. There is some down payment assistance out there, but keep in mind, ain't nothing free in life. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of the down payment assistance, there's going to be income limits, meaning if you make more than X, you're, you're not eligible for it. 
And you need to also understand that when it comes to down payment assistance, typically the money is not free. So you'll probably owe the money back. The good news is you don't make payments on it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a free loan with no interest. And some of these programs may have higher interest rates than what the market is giving. Some of these programs may come with higher closing costs. So just keep in mind, like, ain't nothing free in life. It's going to come with a catch. But that doesn't mean that down payment assistance is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It just means you should understand that it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So when you are buying a house, you're going to have a down payment and you're typically going to have closing costs. And closing costs is what you're paying the title company or the closing attorney who's responsible for actually facilitating the transaction. You're going to have an appraisal, a credit report. If your employer charges your lender to verify your employment, part of the process of applying for a home loan is you have to have your employment verified. Mm -hmm. Well, if your employer charges your lender, guess what your lead lender is going to do? Pass the charge on to me. Pass it on to you. Yep. Depending on the state you live in, you're going to have some kind of a state tax. Some states don't have them. Many do. Or a county tax. You're going to probably have a survey done on your property. Again, state specific. And then you're going to need uh, money for like a homeowner's insurance policy. Plus, you're going to need to put money aside for future real estate tax payments. So does someone, someone walks you through this and says like they earmark like, hey, don't forget, you need to pay taxes on this. Because like, what's like, how do you know? Like, I'm your, your lender okay. is responsible to walk you through that. Okay. Right. So you pick up the phone, you talk to that lender, that lender can like roundabout. Like if you're talking to me and I'm, and you're like, hey, Dio, I'm looking to buy a house. And I'm like, okay, what's your, what's your budget? You know what I start. Mm -hmm. I said, John, what's your comfort monthly payment? And I'll stop. I'll say, by the way, comfort monthly payment isn't necessarily what I'll qualify you for. I may qualify you for much more. Comfort monthly payment is what you and your wife are comfortable paying every single month. And comfort monthly payment is things like your principal and interest on your loan, real estate taxes, homeowner's insurance. In some places or some loan programs, PMI or mortgage insurance. Anytime you're not putting 20% down, more than likely you're going to have to have some kind of a insurance that's insuring your lender against you going into default mm -hmm. and depending on the community or the type of home you may have some kind of a association dues whether they're condo association dues or their homeowners association dues when i add all of that up what is it that you're comfortable paying every single month and you give me a number right you're like oh, i'm comfortable paying 2500 a month mm -hmm. all in cool all right all in 2500 dollars a month depending on your down payment is probably going to be somewhere around a $375,000 purchase price. Now, I ran that quick math in my head because here's something that I know. Roughly, it's about $800 to $900 per, about $750, $750 per $100,000 right now. Okay. Depending on things like taxes and insurance and PMI mm -hmm. and HOA dues. Because it's about $650 just in principal and interest, right? So on a $400,000 house, if you put your 5% down, that's 20 grand. So you're borrowing 380. So you'd basically do 650 plus 650 plus 650 is like 2050. So actually your payment may be closer to 300,000, mm -hmm. right? So like this is what we'd have to bust out the HP 12C and start working through. You told me you're comfortable paying 250. I have to then back that into a sales price for you. Okay. And then I ask you, John, is that the type of home that you're seeing out in the marketplace when mm -hmm. you go on Realtor.com or Zillow or Redfin? Mm -hmm. And then we have that conversation. Okay. And then I start talking about we have $35,000. Of that $35,000, if you use $20,000 for down payment, you're left with fifteen. dollars If you don't get the seller to pay your closing costs, 
then your closing costs are going to run you somewhere probably around ten thousand dollars rule of thumb is closing costs in most markets run you about three percent of the purchase price but as your purchase prices go higher i find that three percent may be too much or it may be too low, all depending on what the interest rate market is doing. So let's just say rule of thumb, 3%. Okay. So you're gonna need 12 grand for closing costs. So if you're $20,000 for down payment, you're 12 grand for closing costs, I'm only leaving you with three grand. Yeah. Now, how does that make you feel only having $3,000 in your savings account? Queasy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like if that was your answer, yeah. then we're gonna address it. If your answer was like, I feel totally fine because my wife and I save $3,000 a month every month. Like meaning mm. I can get that replenished in the next six months. I'll have over 20 grand in there. Okay. Okay, cool. Or you may say, oh, totally fine because I have a whole separate account with the bank of the internet. Yeah. There's actually, I think a bank of the internet, by the way, yeah. because it pays 1.1% interest. And I got 50 grand sitting in that mm. meaning, oh, you've already solved for your emergency fund. Yeah, John, let's use all 35. Gotcha. If you're telling me it makes me feel queasy because now I'm left with no money except for what I have in my 401k. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about a 97% financing option, John. Now on your $400,000 purchase, you're putting 3% down, which is 12 grand. Your closing costs are 12 grand. Now you're 24 grand out of pocket. So that means you can keep $11,000. And keeping $11,000, let me ask you a question. How do you sleep better at night? Do you sleep better at night with 11 grand in that savings account? Or do you sleep better at night knowing that your mortgage payment is $65 cheaper per month? The first door, Alex. Yeah, the first door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's a conversation that you and your lender should be able to have together, right? right? You and your lender should be able to sit down and say, well, if I buy a $400,000 house, what's my all-in payment if I put 20%, if I put 5% if I, if I down? Right. They may say about three grand. Then, you know, does three grand actually match what you're comfortable paying? Right. It might not. But the next question is, can you find the house that your wife is comfortable living in for under 400 grand? Yeah. You know, because that's yeah. that whole champagne taste and beer budget. Right. That's where the back and forth has to come into play. That's where you and your wife have to sit down and actually put a budget together. That's where you have to talk about future earnings. Like, hey, I know we're making this much this year, but what about next year and the next two years after it? Yeah. And then is this a house that is my starter house or is it my forever house? Or is it my forever until I go into a retirement home house? Because right. for some people, that that's what it is. Hey, they're 55. Kids are out. They don't need this $3,000 mm. McMansion that they bought back in the early 2000s. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they want to find a house that's one story and not two because maybe she's due for a knee replacement yeah. or he's due for a hip replacement. Yeah. And they're thinking that, yeah, they'll probably live in this house for 10 more years. Yeah. So even those people who are empty nesters, hey, this is the house I'm going to live in for the next 10 years, right. never 20 or 30. Okay, so all that happens when you're at the closing table and you're with a title company, is that when you actually get the keys? Typically, depending on your state. Okay, so depending if I, on your state. People in California, way different. Okay. Yeah, way different because that's an escrow state. So you may close, but then you may not fund for seven, 10, or 15 days later. Okay. I don't, honestly, I don't really quite understand exactly how those escrow states operate because I've never originated purchase loans mm -hmm. in those escrow states. Like, um, so I couldn't speak as okay. a subject matter expert on it. But typically, when your loan funds is when you get your, your, your keys. Okay. Right? So, like, here's what will happen if I'm trying to go, with like, progression. Yeah, right. You're pre-approved. You go out shopping for a house. You make an offer. Your offer gets accepted typically after some negotiating, right? Back and forth. It's listed for 400. You offer 375. They count it at 395. 
You counter at 385. They come back at 390. And you say 390, but only if you throw in a home warranty from Old Republic. There you go. And there you go, right? Yeah. That's literally how, how it's done. Okay. Offers accepted. You let your lender know so your lender can start your formal loan application because you're just pre-approved. Now that you're under contract, that's when you start talking about, like, hey, this is my actual loan amount. I can lock in my interest rate. This is what the taxes are on that property. I've spoken with a homeowner's insurance agent. They gave me a quote. This is what they're quoting based on this, this home's age and where it is in terms of what town, what city, what neighborhood, what community, flood zone, mm-hmm. wildfire area, et cetera. You typically write contracts that close within 30 days. That's typical. You can do 15 days. You can do 60 days. But the typical is 30. And at the time your contract was accepted, that seller said, hey, John, we're giving you 390. We're throwing in the free home warranty with Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Now I need to see that you're serious. Pony up some money, homie. Mm. At which point we call that escrow deposit or an earnest money deposit. Typically about 2% of the purchase price. You may write a check for $8,000. You don't give it to the seller. You don't even give it to your realtor. Typically, you give it to the title company or the closing attorney. They hold that in escrow, right? It's a third party holding it. It's money that's yours that you will get back at closing. Typically, it is um, taken off of the cash you need to close, Okay. right? So you got pre-approved. You found the house. You negotiated it. By the way, you could have gotten pre-approved three months ago. It took you three months to find the house. You Mm -hmm. found the house because maybe not enough was coming on the market at the time. You negotiated it. Offer was accepted. You give the seller or the seller's attorney or the title company your security deposit, your escrow deposit, your earnest money deposit. They're all three synonymous. You now are going to contact your lender with the great news. You're also going to more than likely you're going to send a home inspector out to inspect the house just to make sure there's nothing catastrophic as it pertains to the home structure and security. Mm-hmm. And look, please know this, every home buyer, you're paying good money to a home inspector. They're going to find something wrong with the house. That's their job. Their job is to find something wrong with the house. Usually it's small, minor things. Mm-hmm. You may or may not be able to negotiate with the seller to fix those minor things or potentially give you a closing cost uh, credit mm-hmm. uh, credit towards closing cost in lieu of doing the repairs or in order to accept the the uh, home as is, but you're going to do a home inspection. Your lender's going to spend the next 30 days doing things like ordering title work, ordering the appraisal, submitting your loan to formal underwriting. The underwriter's going to approve your loan, typically approve it with conditions. Like conditions would be, hey, I need an updated uh, bank statement. I need an updated pay stub, or I need your employer to, to verify some of your overtime or I see there's a large deposit. I need you to get a letter from your dad stating that that deposit was a gift from him. Like, mm-hmm. like just normal stuff that as a lender we deal with every day. As a consumer, we know you don't. So we'll explain it to you. We'll hold your hand. We'll walk you through it. And then uh, your loan typically gets fully approved. We call that clear to close. One to three days before your actual closing day. Once you're clear to close, that's great news. That doesn't mean you quit your job. That doesn't mean you go out and, and buy that that brand new Jeep Wrangler that you want, mm-hmm. right? Or that brand new center console boat that you've always dreamt of having. You do that after you own the home. But uh, we give you the clear to close. You then get with your realtor. You schedule a walkthrough. You know, walk through the home, make sure that you know, nothing has mm-hmm. happened to the home since you put it under contract 30 days ago. 
Then you show up to closing, you sign a ton of paperwork, you send the remainder of what you need, right? Because typically you need your down payment plus your closing cost, less any money you gave the seller as a as a deposit, right? Mm -hmm. So in your case, you needed twelve thousand for down payment, you needed twelve thousand for closing costs, which was twenty four thousand, but you'd already given the seller eight grand as a earnest money deposit. So that means you only have to bring twenty four minus eight, sixteen thousand, right? So sixteen grand is what you need to bring. And John, you do not bring cash. Damn it. Yeah, you're not Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, you don't bring a personal check. Certified only. A wire. Okay. You're going to wire the funds. And you're going to get that wire amount directly from the, well, the lender will tell you the amount. The wiring instructions should come directly from the title company or closing attorney. No one else. Because there's a lot of fraud going on right now. There are some bad actors doing bad things and stealing people's money. Mm. So if I'm going to wire money to a particular title company or closing attorney, I don't want to get the wire instructions from my realtor. I don't want to get the wire instructions from the mortgage company. I want to get it directly from the source. Um, but the lender is going to give you the final number. And you're going to get that final number, I mean, just depending on the transaction, the mm -hmm. lender, the market. It could be the day of. Not supposed to be, but it could be. In a perfect world, you're going to get it at a minimum the 24 hours before. And in a perfect, perfect world, you're going to get it three days before. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the process of buying a home. And I think we covered the bulk of most people's questions right. on the process of buying a home. It is cumbersome. Like, I remember, full disclosure, I was 11, 12 years ago now I bought my last house. I've been a loan officer since 2004. 11 years ago, I was running a small mortgage company. Like now I run a large mortgage operation and I knew what I was doing. And it was still stressful for me and my wife. It was still stressful Even and I had, know this yeah, shit. Yeah, yes. That's crazy. Yes, like my joke is like, look, I almost divorced my wife while buying our last house and I do this for a living. So I understand how frustrating the process can be. Just know that you only do it once every five to seven, maybe nine years. Right. And that's also why it's frustrating because you don't do it enough. Like imagine anything in life. If you do something daily, not frustrating. If you do something daily, you can get really good at it. You do something daily, you can predict what's going to happen. Like if X happens, then I need to do Y. When you're only doing this every five, seven, or nine years, it doesn't matter the last time you bought a house. It was so long ago you forgot what the process was like or... So many things have changed, it doesn't matter. The important thing is that you find people who are willing to hold your hand, go at your speed, answer your questions, and give you options. That would be the advice I would give to anyone looking to buy a house, especially a home that needs to be financed. Well said, Dustin. Yeah. And if home buyers have questions, I don't mind answering them for you. Like, I really don't. If you're looking at buying a house and you have some, some pretty simple generic questions, hit us up. We'll answer them for you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to tell you, talk to your loan officer, right? Like you need to talk to your LO. If you don't have an LO, let me know. Because hey. my job is to know loan officers. Yep. And I know loan officers literally from Courtney all the way up in the Pacific Northwest. Shout out Courtney. Yeah. 
all the way to David in South Florida. Shout out David. And everyone in between. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, yeah. my job is to know loan officers. Mm -hmm. So if you need a good LO, let me know as well. Uh, but um, I don't mind LinkedIn. I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. You can hop on tloponline.com. Or um, if you hit us up, I don't even know how to check TikTok, but I make John have us on TikTok. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I said on TikTok. Yeah. Send us, send us a talk. Is that what the kids call it? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm really good on Instagram, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good on Instagram. I like Facebook, but it's a pain in the ass with their messenger system. It's trash. And, and having to bounce between, like, my personal account yeah, and the TLOP account. Uh, yeah. It's so cumbersome that messages get lost and unanswered on Facebook, which is sad. But the good news is we have LinkedIn. We have IG. Yep. And we have TLOPonline.com. Only the beginning. Yep. So his name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. If you like what we're doing, we ask you to share us, like us, give us a five-star review, tell your friends, mm -hmm. and keep coming back for more. Yes, sir. That's all the time we have for you today, but we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.